Well, I mean, if we're ready, we're ready, aren't we? Let's do it. You're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's doing it. Doing it and doing it. Doing it well. That's all standing. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Coming to you live from the not-quite-as-sad-as-a-dilapidated-cottage studios in Albany, New York, I'm Bobby Pape, and this show has everything. It's got intrigue, it's got building trust, it's got plot twists that may or may not be a construct, and so much more. Joining me for our latest installment of the Tishi Book Club from the Stick O'Carrigold Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Has a Plan This Week, Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. I am going to state a controversial opinion. I don't think there's that much difference in butters. Yeah. yeah. Unless you get the really cheap shit. I've yes. never noticed. Yeah, I remember either. when you said that I should just leave when I have to leave. I think I have to leave. <laughs> uh, you heard her already in the successfully rewired kitchen studios in Detroit, Michigan. It's Meredith, the MVH Van Harn. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning. I guess I just couldn't... Uh, control my peanut butter today. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Yep. And speaking of people who usually interrupt in the surprisingly smooth Irish moonshine studios of Austin, Texas, it's Hillary, the H-bomb Livingston Butler. Good morning, Hillary. Good morning. There's an extra little skip in my step because I have no children barging in. It's very, It's an exciting day. And once again, last, because I was too lazy to reorder the run sheet of our names, in the plenty of cookies for the nosy neighbor Mart Studios, it's Christy Wise. I skipped your city in Linwood, Washington. Christy, the nice lady, Christy Wise. Good morning, Christy. Hello. I'm just leaving all of that. That's fine. Good morning. <laughs> We're back to discuss our latest book club book, The Searcher. Uh, but first, we've got some small talk. And a mailbag chock full of your Steel Magnolias characters, <laughs> among other things. And of course, we'll do some T-shirt recommends on how to get involved. Hillary, kick us off with small talk. All right. Well, it was previewed last week. Christy and I both ventured back to the theater. Woo-woo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, woo um, And obviously, we saw The Conjuring. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we saw, <laughs> not together, unfortunately, because it would have been lovely, but we separately mm-hmm. saw In the Heights. And um, I'll just talk about, like, my experience. and Like, a minor, like, a review, I guess. But um, I, it was wonderful to go back to the theater. I cried. Like, not, I did cry at the movie, but, like, also, mm-hmm. like, kind of just being in the theater. Christy, yep. did you, how did you feel about it? Oh. Uh, so I, it was really hard to wear a mask, cry, and also have glasses. Like it was a real adventure. <laughs> I have never heard anything. I, I like to keep it fresh. Usually when I see a Broadway musical, I will like never listen to anything yeah. and then go the first time. And so I came in fresh with this, had never heard any of the songs. I kind of knew what it was about and just like fell in love with the trailer. Yeah. T- same. Yeah. I was not disappointed. 
No, it was really, really enjoyable. And it was, well, okay, so my movie theater experience was nice because they, you know, I went to the Alamo by my house. Um, Bobby, you've been to that Alamo. I think you saw mm-hmm. a really terrible movie there. Uh, no, I don't know. What you, I never saw a terrible movie there. I saw <laughs> Super Troopers 2 there. Right, right, right. I mean, uh, I'm staying out of this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was good because they had done, like, some blocking like I was I had an empty seat next to me so yeah. that was kind of nice um there were two girls that were sitting there like friends and they at I'm such a bitch I'm so not accustomed to being out like in a movie theater because they were during the it wasn't even the previews it was during the like Alamo sort of they have like a pre-show show you know where they'll do the history of like Latinas and film or whatever and just do like a montage of things and these girls were kind of whisper talking to each other and I kept giving them dirty looks like <laughs> shut up <laughs> which is so stupid because it wasn't the lights were still up like it wasn't a part of the movie but I just really yeah, but was... you've you've entered your temple <laughs> yes, and at exactly that point right. you need hushed reverence you need to get into the mindset for worship exactly exactly so anyway, I, I really enjoyed it. And Christy, similarly to you, I knew some of the songs, but and I knew roughly what the story was about, but did not know a lot of the beats. So it was really enjoyable. I, I would say um, I watched, Bridget wanted to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm a mean mom and didn't take her the first time because I was no, like, you're I, not just, mean. I know, I was like, I just want to be by myself. Yes. But last night we watched about half of it. It is long. I will say that it is a long movie. It was um, long. Um, so I said, you can watch, you know, a half of it. And I did it. Um, I let her watch it, there's nothing bad I mean there's some language and they talk about sex but it's not you know it's pretty wholesome I let her watch until one like pivotal part but I was like I don't want to get into this it's starting to get late and she this is well you'd have to talk about this afterwards um, anyway but uh, I will say it was so great seeing in the movie because obviously you're not I'm not looking at my phone. I'm just fully immersed mm-hmm. in the experience. And me being at home, I mean, I'd already seen it, but you know me. I'm like playing Candy Crush. I'm playing with like the fidget spinner <laughs> thing. Yep. Like I'm doing 12 different things. So I like was, you know, I keyed in. There's one song. There's the, and I knew this was going to be my favorite song and my favorite sort of dance routine was the 96,000. The, oh, the pool. so good. It's amazing. It is truly, truly amazing. So anyway, I, it was a wonderful experience. I know there's been some criticism about like the colorism, colorism. in the movie. Um, and I, I don't feel, I, I can't, I'm not going to wade into that. I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote something about it. I, I'm a white lady. Like I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not about, uh, yes. If people feel that, then like, that's totally valid. It is totally valid. But, um, but it, for me, you know, it was, I'm a white lady, so I really enjoyed I really enjoyed <laughs> well, the movie. I think the, the whole problem is that there's one musical, movie musical starring Latino people. Yes. Right. In, exactly. I mean, other That's than Western the story, yes. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So it has to be all things to all people. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I, what I don't want to happen is say, well, we tried and um, I guess we just can't do this anymore because yes. every time we try, everyone just complains. I think it's a good it's good to have the conversation, but not say, well, now I'm not seeing it because yes. it's amazing. Like it is. It is really, really good. And even my dad, who's like he likes musicals fine, but he's not you know a big musical guy. He was like, I cried. It was wonderful. So, you know, I, I can we talk I about enjoyed. how I've never I never thought Mark Anthony was cute, but holy yes. crap yeah yeah <laughs> mark anthony the singer yeah isn't he old he, now yeah but he plays like a drug addicted um i, I didn't even cute. know it was him at <laughs> first i know i didn't either. i was like he I looks from, 
There's one he character. He has too many bones in his face. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he has way too many bones, not enough fat or skin. Like, it, it's just, but um, I, there was one character, Carla, who I couldn't place her. And I, and the whole movie, I just have, and, and of course, if I'm at home, I whip out IMDb and I know totally. instantly. Yeah. But I was like, okay, well, that look she just did, I know, and I kept trying to, she's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that until I was like, I know. as soon as the lights came on, I like Googled it. <laughs> You're like, that's who it is. Um, yes. Who also, another person that I thought was really amazing in it, and it's, she's definitely a side character, but is Daphne Rubin Vega, who was the star oh, yes. of Rent. Mimi. And she's, yeah, she's wonderful in this. She's great. She's yes. really fun. And, and, um. No, I just, I really enjoyed it. And again, like I said, um, Jimmy Smith's is like not changed. He looks the same as he did like in LA Law, which was like a full 35 years ago. Yes. He is still Who very, very, very sing? handsome. I know. It's great. So I I would say definitely go see it, but also go see it in the theater because it's the, per- it's the perfect movie to go see in the theater. There's a lot of movies that you can see at home and it's not a big deal, but this is a good one to see, to be fully immersed in. So two thumbs up Agreed. it was enjoyable I had two glasses of wine so by the end I definitely was crying <laughs> uh, that is a question I wanted to ask so the Alamo experience two glasses of wine did you eat yes I had um there are these like cauliflower um I know it sounds boring but they're like fried cauliflower like bite things sure. that you dip in ranch mm-hmm. and they're really good they're my favorite thing there so yes I had some of those. I don't understand why that would be boring <laughs> well yeah, sounds I, great I know well sometimes cauliflower can be a little bit boring but this is uh you know flavored and sassed up a little bit it's a fine application for cauliflower when you can completely not tell that it's cauliflower it's just yeah, filler exactly. for the fried and I the love exactly and, yeah they make a uh some places make a um like a chick what are those called oh, like hot wings but make it with cauliflower that's good mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, uh, it, was, it was good and Christy, you mentioned uh, the dangerous combo of crying glasses and wearing a mask. <laughs> did, did you take your mask off to enjoy anything in the theater? Um, I did get popcorn, but it it didn't taste. I was like, I've been missing movie theater popcorn. Oh, it's not like I remembered it, so I didn't is eat it, much of it. Is it possible that our taste buds have all gone back to normal and <laughs> I therefore know, maybe. we can't handle the, fl- yeah, the flavor blasted nature? Of- well, and also I really was nervous, even though at my theater they block off two chairs in front back side Ooh. and side and wow. it was it was in the middle of the day i was at like 150 so there wasn't many people there but it's like one of the first times i've been inside with other people so i was a little freaked out it just feels weird it does at, feel at this weird. point like mm-hmm. even if you're vaccinated and you're far away from people it's like oh this feels yeah. illegal I'll i know that in a minute in my world because i'm <laughs> covid czar but before we do that uh Hillary, you've noted I ass- that you are child three and thriving. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> um, as mentioned at the top, yes, I um, my children have gone to camp for the next two weeks. Well, okay, so <laughs> oh, no, oh, I can hear the distress in your voice. <laughs> I know I'm such a bad mom because I'm like no so excited i'm like would a better mom be like upset about this i mean i did give them big hugs and i will no you're them, letting them of. create memories Ex- well yes and oh like, my god uh, well and <laughs> also <laughs> be i always wanted to go to summer camp and yeah. i never got to go and so like the i would have loved to go and they love it so so what's happening right now is dave is um sauntering up 35 or he might have taken the back way i don't know he likes to he likes to take his time, Change but it up. going up to Dallas and then 
Uh, tomorrow he'll leave Rory with my parents and drive Bridget to camp up um, in Grayford, Texas, which is a small town, but it's actually pretty, really pretty. But um, and then he'll come. Then Dave will come back son, like tomorrow night at some point. But um, so yeah, Bridget will be at camp at Camp Grady Spruce for a week, and then my dad's gonna pick her up and take her back to Dallas, and then they're gonna be in Dallas for another week. So I have two weeks. I mean, my husband will be here, but I will have two weeks alone. I. Like, I guess we'll go out or something, but really what I want to do is throw all of my kids' shit away. So I'm like, say goodbye. Perfect time. I know. (laughs) We have these drawers in our, um, this sort of toy box kind of drawer situation in the living room. And I never see my kids open it. There's a couple of things that we'll keep, but I'm going to go through. I mean, I'm sure there's like McDonald's toys or whatever, some Mm-hmm. old Legos that don't go to anything, it's all going. I can't. They probably won't even notice. No, they won't notice it. They won't notice Are you kidding? Of course they'll notice. <laughs> it's something that they haven't played with for 10 months <laughs> that they'll immediately be looking for. <laughs> Mommy, where's this? It's Mommy. a disturbance in the force. They're going to be something has changed. <laughs> well, and it's like, they'll be like, Mommy, where's this? And I'm just like, you just didn't keep track of it well enough. Sorry. Like, that's, your, that's on you, <laughs> not on me. Um, but anyway, so I'm very, very excited to... Be free. The only thing is, like, I think, I, as I think I've mentioned, I've been going into the office more, so I'll probably be in there more because I don't have the excuse of, like, I have to go home to the kids now. <laughs> um, Why do they have to know your kids are gone? Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're back. They got sick. Anyway, so, um, but it, I'm excited and I, it'll be like a nice breath of fresh air. And then they come back. We have a week and then we're going to Bobby's neck of the woods. I was just like actually going through my calendar and I'm like, so we had these first two weeks of summer where they were just out and about, which was fine, except they get annoying after a while. But um, but the, the rest of the summer, we're kind of chugging along. And, you know, before you know it, we'll be back at school. And it's seemingly everything is back to normal, kind of. Like the kids, Texas, of course, is like no uh, virtual school. Not that I would have my kids at virtual school, but no virtual school. So I think everything is back to 2020, I guess, or 2019. So anyway. It's like it never happened at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, my, you know, my brain is slow. Like when I went to the gym today, I was like, this is, feels so weird. Like I had been to the gym, but we'd mostly had outdoor classes. But like now we're having it indoors, which whatever, it's fine. But I, it just feels weird. I'm like, did that happen? Was that like a fever dream? Like, no, it happened. Anyway, it's very weird. I go all day with my mask in my pocket now, and I will sometimes get home and realize I didn't have it on all day. I know. It's so weird. Yes. So, Bobby, but you're the COVID czar? Yes. Okay. So, sure. I mean, way to take up the responsibility now, Bobby. <laughs> I waited as long as possible until Joe Biden finally called me. Um, this has been an interesting couple of weeks. I wasn't on the show last week because I was, uh, well, I put 71 hours on my timesheet last week, which would be great if I got over time, but I don't. Uh, Last weekend was the American Music Festival, which is the season-ending festival every year at the Albany Symphony. Here's a quick plug if you want to hear some weird new music, some of it very cool and some of it pretty funny, actually. uh, Go to albanysymphony.com. There are videos from all of our concerts there. It's all free. Just go watch it. It's fun. The Dogs of Desire, which is our smaller, funky new music ensemble, did some very weird stuff, including a piece by a composer named Jack Ferrer, where he sort of talks through a diary of all of his days in quarantine. He runs out of weed on day two, I think. Oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. So, uh, I thought yeah. you were about to say he talks through diarrhea, and I was like, I'm <laughs> <out>. Me too. <laughs> Bye. 
Uh, no, there is an extended sequence in there about him um, trying to hold in his pee and then having to pee, though. So Cool, 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 cool. Mm, fun. Yep. It's actually, it's pretty funny. So uh, go there, do that. And for the first time all season, we had audiences in the hall for these concerts because of lifting uh, restrictions in New York State. So six weeks in on my new job, and I basically had to figure out the plan for how we were going to do that. So uh, we had to check for uh, vaccination or negative COVID test. We had socially distanced seating. So yeah, it was sort of like chess. Uh, we had to have open seats two over and one up or down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, between I thought you seven. were the director of marketing. How is this your responsibility? Well, marketing includes front of house, so box oh, office, okay. ticketing, yes. And um, I have a great uh, box office associate. She is wonderful. She handled all of the seating in the system. In fact, I have been doing so much between orientation and meetings and dealing with this that I still have not even learned how to use our ticketing system. So occasionally I'm just an asshole who yells out to one of my wonderful, great employees, hey, I need this from this right now because I don't know how to use my computer. I'm such an old man. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking old. We have to VPN into some other system just to do our ticketing. It's a pain in the ass. Anyway. uh, That's my whole life. (laughs) So that was our thing. Yes, I've got one employee still working from home a lot, and she at one point was using LogMeIn to get into her work computer from her personal laptop and then having to VPN from her work computer into the ticketing system. Yeah. And she was telling me how slow it was. And I was like, no shit. (laughs) Yeah, really? (laughs) That's awful. We need to fix that. Uh, Anyway. So yes, we had about 200 people in the hall or we, we were ready to have about 200 people in the hall for our big show Saturday night. We had about 120 in part because it was just a gorgeous sunny day out and people just didn't show up. But, um, it was a hall that seats 2,700 people. Damn. And so like we closed the balcony because the sound wasn't going to be right up there because the musicians were socially distanced on the stage in a weird way. And we had a soloist who, uh, because of an injury to her hand as a child, um, plays a toy organ with her good hand and then sings. She's actually really awesome. Her name's Molly Joyce. She does a lot of disability advocacy stuff. Um, she couldn't be close. Like, we didn't have room for her on stage, so they built a stage island for her just in the seats like a rock show. Wow. And cool. she had her own little area where she was playing toy organ under her own spotlight. Um, it was very cool, um, but very nerve-wracking just having all this set up. And the good things were no one gave a shit about um, showing proof of vaccination or a test, good. which was a concern we had. We were worried about needing security. Nobody complained too much that the concessions weren't open. Um, and a lot of people did not show up with a mask just out of habit because they were in a post-mask world in their own little bubbles. But they did not complain when we gave them one to wear while they were in the hall. Good. So, yes, that is one of the many, many reasons I was completely disconnected last week. But it went well. And, yes, it was very bizarre to see the audience all spaced out in their little bubbles and masks and it was very weird and I hope that we never ever have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. our hey, next it's concerts, a first step. Yeah. Our next concerts mm-hmm. are in October. So hopefully by then the world is either normal or burning down. <laughs> either or. Yeah. Um, I do have to run in a little bit here today, which is what we were joking about at the top of the show, because today is Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. And we have a uh, trombone choir playing at the Juneteenth festival. And I want to make a point of going to meet people. And also there's free soul food. And also I would like, for at least one of the white people on staff to go to Juneteenth. <laughs> yeah, it's probably. And it came together at the last minute, so a lot of people were busy. 
You didn't say the thing about soul food before. Free now food. I completely understand. <laughs> Thank you. Why are you here now? Well, Get out of here. Building up an appetite for soul food. And I read this entire damn book, so I want to talk about it. But first, let me also just jet through my test results since I wasn't on the show last week. Oh, oh yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. So we'll go. The, let's go in order here. We'll do it together, Christy, okay. first. And I'm trying to hop over to Slack. There we go. Uh, anyone have a guess on which uh, character I am from Steel Magnolias? Yeah, well, we decided we said, on Clary. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're wrong. I'm Truvy. Everyone's oh. Truvy. The default. A lot of Truvy. A lot yeah. of Truvies. It's more yeah. on that in a minute. <laughs> I think that I think that you are a Clary with a Truvy rising. Yes. And and I am a Truvy with a Weezer rising. Weezer rising. Sure. With, especially at work. <laughs> I think this show Lord. has a Weezer rising. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm part of the Weezer Vanguard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, should we jump over to the uh, Rorschach test? Yes. Yes. I'm so interested to see what your do, do you wanna, disturbance levels are. Do you want to pose out of 10 how many I, I had in similar answers? Um, uh, four. Three. Oh, That's what wow. I got too, Bobby. God, am I? Wow. I think I'm the resident. <laughs> or <disturbed>. you're honest. <laughs> Did you see lots of genitals? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well that was Wait, before and the after test? the Rorschach <laughs> test. Yeah. My so my only argument with that was I saw something. So it had first and then secondary. Well, my mm-hmm. first was in the list. My my second is not there so they should have had none as secondary but they had none as first right right so that that was my argument about it everything looks like genitals if you wait long enough <laughs> yes yeah. mm-hmm. i feel like that actually happened to me because since i had to restart the test i was kind of like <laughs> whatever there's a penis there i see a penis yeah i definitely <laughs> saw <a> penis <laughs> I think I tried very hard not to see penises. <laughs> I seriously just saw bats. Like, that was all. Yeah. The ones that pissed me off are like, oh, it just looks like a blot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or it, it just looks, looks like, like these blot. colors. Is that an answer? Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, I suppose it could be flowers. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I'm easily tricked by colors. So it's like, oh, pretty colors. It's flowers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christy, what was your dream job? Astronaut, which is the complete opposite because i don't like i like travel even in an airplane i get sick so can you imagine being in space oh, hell no. fucking no and then also since almost drowning during my scuba thing i can't handle like even watching people like try to get air like anytime uh, they're like choking uh, or oh, it gets, drowning yeah. Hell Submarine no. Submarine like, drowning <laughs> oh scenes my in gosh. movies make me want to die. I hate yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. So can you imagine oh, being man. in that stupid helmet for like hours and days? Pooping yes. just pooping your pants? <laughs> and and okay, so excited about all of this. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, NASA has a Twitch channel. And so I was, the other day while I was working, I had on, I was watching two astronauts on a spacewalk doing work on one of the outer parts of the space station yeah mm-hmm. the space station and it was so cool that's neat that is yeah. pretty cool an astronaut we got a link in there but that's that's something we can share yeah um mine also doesn't make sense also can you imagine me as an astronaut like bringing chocolates to the administrator <laughs> trying to get the first class <laughs> you can't you everything is weighed you can't 
You've got you got room up there, don't you? I just need a I just need a Bailey's, <laughs> a Bailey's and coffee, please. <laughs> just give me the little little jar. Yeah, it's fine. I don't yeah. even need the coffee. Uh, I'm supposed to be a doctor. That's I'm starting to question this test. <laughs> Me Not too. too many options here. We have two astronauts and three doctors. I don't yeah. know if we're just kind of amazing. Or... Well, I mean, we are, but yeah. yeah. I'm smart and responsible and handle high pressure situations well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could yeah. be a drug dealer with that description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be lots of things. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, psychopath. Am I a psychopath? Mm, I'm going to go no. I don't think so. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Like, score. so below 50? Yeah, remind yeah. me how everybody's scores were on that one. I don't remember. I was 30% psycho. I was okay. 6. Okay. Dang. Was like Hillary was 27. 27, okay. yeah. I'm 24. Yeah, 52. Whoa! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. This one I believe. This is scientific. <laughs> Bye, Bobby. Bye. I Bye. A, I, I am an effective compartmentalizer. That's all it is. Hillary, you don't have any room to d- throw stones at Bobby, you mentally disturbed person. <laughs> I'm a mentally disturbed non-psychopath. So. A mentally disturbed, what were you, an astronaut too? <laughs> no, I was a, do- a mentally, mentally disturbed, disturbed doctor. doctor. Oh, well, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> I'm just a psychopathic, grumpy doctor. I'm Dr. House. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He probably scores quite high on the narcissism portion of that scale. I would think so. Yep. Uh, I decided to be perhaps overly brutally honest. You know, I leaned into it a little bit, but it was worth it to get that 52. I'm I'm proud that I broke the 50% line. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Wait, wasn't it? Didn't everyone have the same read thing? Did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The blurb was the same for everybody, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Bo- I wonder if Bobby had a different blurb because oh, <laughs> he yeah. was over 50. I have the screenshot here. Though your conscience is in the right place, you also have a pragmatic streak and are generally aren't afraid to do your own dirty work. You're no shrieking violet, but no daredevil either. You generally have little trouble seeing things from one another's perspective, but at the same time are no pushover. Everything in moderation, including moderation, might sum up your approach to life. Hmm. So that was different. So it must be a 50%. Yeah, Yeah. trigger is a different. Yeah, we were wondering where the threshold was. When I took it live on the show and I was trying to come out as a psycho and I got the 85%, that one was Mm -hmm. different too. Okay. So there's like three tiers. There's some kind of benchmarks that we can't figure out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that sends a red flag to the various government agencies. You in know, the UK, who cares? Up, up in the 80s. <laughs> to Dr. Kevin or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and since that was our test results, uh, yeah. Hillary, maybe it's a good time to go to the mailbag. Yes. Well, let's read the question of the week responses. First, um, Kristen, my lovely sister, says she's a Truvy, which is true because we're like, we have a similar personality. So it's yes. Truvy. Mm-hmm. Truvy. Uh, Gregory, lovely Gregory Van Havhorn. Um mm-hmm. He said, same. I haven't seen the movie, but walking around making one-liners sounds like a fit for me. <laughs> I mean, his, his boobs, <laughs> yes, and also- Oh, yeah, yeah. He does have <laughs> a great rack. <laughs> Morgan says, I'm also a Truby. Margaret says, I got Truby, but feel like I'm turning into a Weezer the older I get. Christy, that sounds like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rosemary says, I got Truby, which excites me, but if I had more money, I'd definitely be a Clary. Okay, <laughs> quick, quick story about this. So, Rosemary's one of my friends from college, and... Um, we we in college we went to 
she's from this town called Springfield, Tennessee, which is outside of Nashville. But it's like a small town outside of Nashville. Like, it's not a really a suburb or anything. And we went to go visit her grandmother, who's like good old, like, country southern lady. And she looked at me and she said, well, my goodness, you look like Dolly Parton. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So in that group of friends, um, we call it's my college friends were the best friends club, which is kind of a joke. And I'm like, uh, we all have different names and I'm Dolly Spice. So anyway, mm. anyway I know well, there's, <laughs> it's going on the run sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm glad that she got Truby because I did as well. Um, okay. Leslie says also Truby, Truby. Apparently we have lots of one of a kind personalities in here. Mm. Uh, nope. Um, Bet says Weezer, not surprised. Let's go, Bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amanda says Truby. I think it's rigged. And then Jessica mm-hmm. says, my favorite color is pink. Need I say more? Uh, yeah. Chrissy, do you Shelby. think that's right? Yes. She's a Shelby. Um, Amy says, I'm okay with this, Truby. Um, Ellen says, well, I need to watch again to actually answer the questions. But based on the picture alone, I'm going Malin uh, because I make the exact face all the time. I actually <laughs> think that might be right. Having met Ellen, I feel like that is appropriate. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And she kind of looks Sally Field-ish. You know, she's little, dark hair. Makes sense. Um, Leslie says, BTW, am I the only one who didn't know until just now that Shirley MacLaine and Warren Beatty are sister and brother? That I put that in because I do have known that for a while, but I think I learned it in like sixth grade or something after I'd seen a fair share of Shirley MacLaine and Warren Beatty movies. And I remember like my mind being blown and being irritated that nobody had told me that until then. I was like, <laughs> how did I not know this? Like this, they are like these two superstars, especially of, you know, the mid eighties, they were very, very, very famous. And it just seems they're not that far apart in age, but for whatever reason, Shirley McLean was like old in my head and Warren Beatty was really young. Um, Cause didn't Shirley McLean, she hung with like the rat pack. Yeah. And stuff, yeah. She? So yeah. that makes it seem like she was around way earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, I mean, you know, he was an, on Dobie Gillis, which, you know, I started watching later. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess he is a little bit older than I think he is. But and he's had, you know, a fair amount of surgery, I think. I think I did know that they were brother and sister, but it was a, a data point that was submerged way into my subconscious. Yeah, so then too. when Leslie posted that, I was like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I know. I knew, so... but I constantly forget. It just is, it just is weird to me. They don't, mm-hmm. I, when I try to think about their faces and I think they have the same parents, but when I look think about their faces, they don't like ring like siblings to me at all. But, I mean, you know. I want to know if they're friends. Like there's some siblings that just like hang out even on red carpets or whatever, or, or make out with their brothers. Like Angelina Jolie. <laughs> so but like, I don't even see them like interacting, like even when they were, in like really popular movies at the same time at the same awards things. Yeah, no, I know. I don't, I don't, I don't think, Oh, and a little story that I once heard about Warren Beatty. I don't know if this is true, but he was offered the part in boogie nights that, um, what's his face? Um, Burt Reynolds played, but when he got mm. when he got the script, he thought that they were offering him the Mark Wahlberg character, like these <laughs> <laughs> delusional older that men that are like, "I'm true. still virile enough." <laughs> oh no! Anyway, a little. Aside. I mean, twenty, thirty years previous, <laughs> sure, absolutely, they sure. would have offered him that. Yeah, because uh, he has that dumb guy look, you know, that kind of like dirt look. 
I mean, speaking of Warren Beatty's virality, um, <laughs> I, I just I was pulling up Wikipedia very quickly, as I often do over recording. His Wikipedia page has an entire personal life section titled Before Marriage. <laughs> yep. uh, and it's prior to marrying Benning, Annette Benning. Beatty was notorious for his large number of romantic relationships. And then there is a five column bulleted list that fills the entire oh. screen of my yes. laptop. Yeah, no, that was he like his around. thing. Remember when and he this gave is just the people. This is just the people who have Wikipedia pages. They're all linked. Yep, yep. I I watched the hell out of Dick Tracy. Yes. Me too. Yeah, speaking mm-hmm. of Mad- Madonna. Yes. God, I know he was such a staple. I also loved like Heaven Can Wait, which is a weird movie that I watched a lot as a kid. There were a lot of Warren Baby movies that I was intrigued by. He was a he was a eighties kind of guy. He was very handsome when he was young. I mean, he's still a nice looking guy, but he was really cute when he was young. Yep. All right, moving on from Hollywood siblings. Um, this is not the Hollywood homicide episode. We're moving on. Um, okay, Tanya says, another one ready to unleash my sass. That actually doesn't surprise me at all. Um, Jeremy says, I have not seen the show. The show. How show. old are you? The program. <laughs> <laughs> it's a moving picture. <laughs> but I got Truby, assuming she is the handsome, funny, creative one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I yeah. know it. Sean says, yeah, I'm Weezer. Heather says, Weezer, to be expected. Julie says, Shelby, typical, I guess. I always end up with the most middle-of-the-road character. But then there was, like, a harsh rebuke of of mm-hmm. Julie's. Because I wouldn't say that Shelby's middle-of-the-road at all. She's the catalyst mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Well, and I w- right. thought I was going to be the only one. Like, everybody else got Truvy and Weezer, and I was <laughs> I the only one who got Shelby. So thank you, Julie. I know. I yeah. think you're all right, by the way. That I'm Clary. I the more I think about it, the more I think that's a more accurate fit. No, you're. I Clary. think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always just thought the weird thing was that this young, you know, eighteen, twenty year old girl was hanging out with her mom and her mom's <laughs> old yes. friends. I know. Where are your friends? I agree. I agree. Anyway, um, okay. So should we move on to actual um, letters that we got? Some notes we got. Scott says. Mm-hmm. Hi, TG crew. I'm still catching up and just heard you read all the feedback on listeners' life mottos. I married into a family whose motto is, it is either a good time or a good story. Oh, that is really true. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, Which I've adopted since my birth family's motto appeared to be, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) I really married up. (laughs) Love the show. And thanks for all you do to put it out there for us. Now back to the podcast. With sincerest regards, Scott. Thank you, Scott. How do you feel about with sincerest regards? I mean, I can tell that it's bullshit, but I enjoyed it anyway. (laughs) I mean, he's he's working through his sign off exactly. He's getting really good good about that. Um, Bree wrote in, said, "Hey, y'all, I had to write because I literally lol'd at the random comment by Anne and Meredith about not wanting to go to South Korea because they are tall women." When I was in grad school, I went to a conference in Singapore. I really want to go to Singapore. Um, For the first day or two, I was hanging out either in the hotel or in the conference with my colleagues who were all male and also tall. Engineers, which has more to do with them being male than tall. So I didn't really notice that my 5'9 height was odd. Uh, the, then one day, the conference uh, the conference center where we were was also hosting some sort of harmonica gathering slash competition for school-aged children. Yay. Oh, what a pity. <laughs> <laughs> On this day, I walked to the women's restroom in heels, and immediately an adorable but tiny group of probably eight to nine-year-olds looked up at me with their mouths open like I was the Hulk. It was weird. That being said, both Singapore and Thailand, which we visited while over there, were amazing, even though I found out that I was giant. Cheers, JK. 
<laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, See, this is what I'm saying. I go through my entire life basically feeling like I'm the Hulk, and then you're yeah. going to put me in a country full of short people? I don't think so. <laughs> Hulk smash! I, I like to make Rory do that because I think it's cute, but that, that could be your <laughs> positioning. Um, and then uh, Richard Plurs, AJ, I, I'm not going to go read this Yahoo I think are they from France? That's exciting. Uh dot at yahoo dot fr. I assume that's France. What else could it be? Get the lucky one. Invest five ninety five. Get passive income of six thousand dollars per day. And then obviously we all click the Google link to go there. Yes. So on right. my work computer, I do. Yes. It does. It doesn't tell you. You know, you invest the five ninety five in what, and then get a. a tenfold return i gotta French. check this out baguettes what else do they have <laughs> there? Mm. snails mm. bad that's attitudes it. that's it mm-hmm. cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> they got that um well and then actually it was late coming in but this morning or sometime late last night we did get another um email request from jennifer mm-hmm. um She's a thirsty bitch. (laughs) I know. Jennifer, fucking relax. For her explicit photos, Jennifer. (laughs) Spell your name right and stop (laughs) bothering us. We got to put a captcha on this thing, you guys. Um, but yeah, that was that was the uh, the mailbag. Thanks, y'all, for you know sending us stuff and. All the investment opportunities. I don't have any money left now, but soon, soon I will have (laughs) a lot more income. Will be rolling in. (laughs) All right. I mean, it sounds like a dream, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Should we roll into medium talk? Let us open up the Tishi Book Club for the second uh, iteration of our very short ongoing series. Uh, Our Astute listeners will recall, I mean, we continue to talk about this book because it obviously made an impression on us. The, our inaugural book was Hollywood Homicide by <laughs> Kelly Garrett, which was a, a light, frothy, fun, poorly plotted <laughs> romp uh, through Hollywood and stars who commit crimes or sort of, uh, but we have turned the page <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and we read The Searcher by Tana French. I learned I've been saying her name wrong this whole time. It's mm. Tana, not Tana, as I did watch an hour long conversation with her and Marlon James on YouTube. I saw that clip. Maybe, maybe we should uh, do a Marlon James book because he's also a very good writer. Um, but now I know, knowing is half the battle. So uh, she is a, they say, an American slash Irish novelist. It means she's an American who moved to I- Ireland when she was 18 and has been there so long ago that she's essentially assimilated into the culture. Yeah. And she has written six books called The Dublin Murder Squad, which uh, Dublin Murder Squad is fictional. There is no murder squad in the Dublin Police Department. Not that they'd but, like you to know. They should put a well, stop to that. Well, that's true. There is. That's not good. That's true. Um, and uh, so that was a detective uh, series, a loose detective series. And she wrote one standalone called The Witch Elm. And this is her second standalone that has no connection to the Dublin murder squad. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. She 
mentioned that The Searcher is her take on a Western, Mm -hmm. that she likes to experiment with genre. And once she said that, I was like, oh, my God, of course, that is exactly what it is, Uh, specifically a nod to The Searchers, The Searcher, The Searcher, John Ford's great Western movie starring John Wayne. And it follows the tropes of a Western, but transplanted into Western Ireland uh, and kind of exploring those themes. And so some of the things that uh, she talks about, the the idea from Westerns, like the stranger who's given up the life, kind of like a Clint Eastwood and a lot of different yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, the guy who just wants to be left alone to do his own thing, but... Uh, keeps getting dragged back into it when I one watched last this job. Yeah, I watched the YouTube interview conversation thing, and Marlon James said that one thing about westerns is that it's always about people who are trying to be normal, and the world won't let them. Yeah, yeah. which I thought was good. And he becomes a champion for people or a person who need his help. He's kind of the lone hero who's working outside the system, and those are all components of uh, this book. Another thing that she talked about is in Westerns, um, they're so isolated, like those uh, remote Irish villages, that you have to make your own rules and enforce them yourself. There's no use in waiting for the government or the law enforcement from Dublin, let's say, to come out and take care of this. You are the one who's responsible for... um, dealing with any problems that might arise within your community. And so that is where we meet our protagonist, Cal Hooper. And I'm just going to read the blurb on the book because I think that does it just as well as anything that I could say. Cal Hooper thought a fixer-upper in a remote Irish village would be the perfect escape. After 25 years in the Chicago police force and a bruising divorce, He just wants to build a new life in a pretty spot with a good pub where nothing much happens. But then a local kid comes looking for his help. Trey Reddy's brother has gone missing and no one, least of all the police, seems to care. Cal wants nothing to do with any kind of investigation, but somehow he can't make himself walk away. Against his will, he discovers that even in the most idyllic small town, secrets lie hidden, people aren't always what they seem, and trouble can come calling at his door. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's the story. It's a small story. It is. Mm-hmm. Really. Yep. It takes plus place just in and around this one village, Ardna Kelty, which I believe I am saying correctly. And um, Tana French has said that plot is not her strong suit, that she writes much more about atmosphere and mood and sort of fits the plot into that. I don't know if it's accurate, but the, the audiobook they pronounced it Ardnackley. Could be. I don't so, think I can wrap I don't my know. brain around that. No, yeah, I, 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 I was like, huh, I wonder how that's spelled, I guess. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> I am actually curious, uh, before we dive in, I think I asked this question last time too, how did everyone digest this book versus, you know, Kindle or audiobook or, God forbid, paper copy. Well, Bobby, I know that you got yourself a Kindle paperweight and I, had your grandchildren show you how to use it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and I have a development there. So I, I split my time between that and the audiobook because I have been so crunched for time 
And I've been spending so much time in the car lately that I actually bounced back and forth between the Kindle and the audiobook. That is a so, great thing about that WhisperSync yeah. setting. Yeah. You can switch between them and it holds your spot. Yep. Damn it, Amazon. <laughs> you just keep giving me good products when you're yep. evil so meredith you were audiobook right full audiobook yep yep i was Hillary? i was full audiobook too and actually <laughs> one thing i was like trucking along through it really enjoying it but then at some point like about an hour into my listening i was like god they're talking really fast i mean i talk fast but if i'm noticing them talking fast that's weird and i looked down and i'd really i'm like god i'm already like I feel like I've just been listening to this, but I'm like two hours through this. This is crazy. And then I realized because of Hollywood homicide, I had set my Libby app to (laughs) (laughs) 1.5 and it just kind of like stayed there. Honestly, it was fine. Like, you know, I kind of got accustomed to it. So I was like, all right, this is fine. I'm just going to keep it as is, but I'm going to set it back the next time I listen to something because I was like, wow, I'm really, this is fast. Christy. Um, Christy. Audio book. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess I'm the I'm the one who read the physical book this time. Actually, I read it first on the Kindle Paperwhite, and then the second time I bought the book, as I mentioned, so yeah. that I have a copy of it. Uh, so yes, I had to supply my own pronunciations, which was occasionally interesting. <laughs> um. All right. So I feel that this is almost kind of a noir. Yes thing as well mm-hmm. as a western you know we had a couple of comments from some listeners who also read it i think uh let me go and um mackenzie sent us a note who said that i enjoyed the book club selection and with the discussion coming up and rather than write in separately i thought i'd share my goodreads review one of very few i'd like to hear your takes on the genre question so i'm just gonna pop over to mackenzie's goodread review because he said a lot some interesting things there no i don't want to log in with my facebook account uh all right so what Mackenzie said was those who go into this expecting something like a contemporary murder mystery and therefore find that this book doesn't meet their expectations i've seen in interviews that tana Tana french was inspired by western classics but this book doesn't quite hit the mark it's somewhat close to the revenge story one of several Western archetypal plots, but it's not quite that either. I think the proper way to think of this novel is as a rural noir with versions of a siren client uncovering a conspiracy, the main character's physical weakness compared to enemy forces, etc. If you start out with that expectation, I think you'll enjoy it more. And what Mackenzie is speaking to here are the people who, like me most of the time who love mystery novels and detective stories because everything gets wrapped up so nicely and neatly at the Mm -hmm. end and you find out who the bad guy was they get arrested they get punished the world goes back to its rightful place kind of like when we talk about cozy mysteries and if that's what you want you're not going to be happy with this book Mm -hmm. you're not going to be happy with any of Tana French's book because yeah. that's not her. not the point yeah. and what she's really interested in is looking at an upheaval in characters lives and how they're changed by the situations that they encounter so and I, I honestly I do love a good cozy mystery and I do love in fact when I watched this thing with her she said during the pandemic she's been totally reading Agatha Christie yeah because yeah. that was what she was cra- craving for herself 
but those aren't the kind of books that she writes. So I think there have been some people that have been disappointed by this book and thought that it was maybe slow because it doesn't have that traditional detective structure. I think that I went into it and I had never read any of Tana French's books. I just, you know, heard a lot about them. I went into it maybe knowing it was not going to be like a Mary Higgins Clark or something like that, you know, something where it's just beat, beat, beat. But um, I wouldn't say like I was disappointed. It would just took some time to get adjusted to it a little bit. Like, okay, this is not going to be a whodunit. I mean, kind of, mm-hmm. but not really, you know, it's, it's more, uh, yeah, atmospheric and kind of getting the lay of the land and him understanding this way of life and then understanding himself maybe a little bit better, but it's, it, there is a you know mystery in it, but it's yeah, it's not the okay, and now everything is back to normal. Like it right. just is. It's sort of just a sad kind of yeah. There's not like some big crazy. I thought maybe there was going to be this weird you know detailed crime ring or something like that, and it's really not. It's really pretty banal. Yes. In the end. Yes. Yeah. She she always what she said was that. She finds the who done it aspect the least interesting question. What she is more interested in is how did a person get to this place where they could commit this act? Mm-hmm. If an act was even committed. Because in some of her books it's not. Yeah. I mean, was an act committed in this book? Sort, sort of. of. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. One note on the cozy mystery thing before we move on. Having watched probably almost all 22 seasons of Midsummer Birders, as we've discussed here before, which is <laughs> which is a crime procedural set in rural, you know, England, um, where there seem to be a lot of murders. <laughs> um, very, I, I know. It's very, very almost very as bad as Cabot Cove. Cove right? yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like uh, the theme of sort of towny hillbilly justice uh that was very familiar to me reading this book sort of seeing this community that takes care of its own and is pretty removed from the structures of criminal um control society yeah. of, of traditional society. kind of law enforcement yeah situation. so that that theme hit me pretty quickly based on that so the when i'm picturing all of this in my mind i'm sort of visualizing that same sort of feeling as that show and so that that mm-hmm. uh, resonated pretty fast but yeah not a cozy but um, no, no. But but very much that um, that independent, self-sufficient, away from the world feeling. Yeah, and when you find out who generally done it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I see. I yeah, see and how that and in this happens. one, I mean, there aren't a ton of character. I mean, there's not like oh, this pool of people. I mean, there are side, a lot of side characters, but there's not a ton of like main characters in it. And so when you sort of figure out who was you know, responsible, you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. right. I, I guess we're spoiling, but like, it, he was there all along, you know, and it was... Yeah, I guess we sh- we should say that if you don't want this book spoiled, uh, maybe Bye. you should fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> I, think we, I think we already made that disclaimer. We can't yeah. talk about yeah. this book without spoiling it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Yeah, when the, when the like, Keebler elf keeps popping up, you're like, okay, so he's something's, not... Yeah. yeah, something's yeah. amiss. <laughs> So I thought about a few questions that we could talk about. And the first one I want to ask is about our protagonist. What's Cal's deal? Why did he come to Ireland? 
escape I, was my I mean that's what I was thinking he he was sick of being a cop I think a lot of it had to do with how he started to see policing um which made me like you know this isn't a great time to be a cop in America um yeah. and maybe he he tells a story about a, a almost shooting of a of a young black boy uh by his partner and how it kind of spoiled him um and he decided that he was not wanting to be a cop anymore and then he got divorced yeah and his um, and his daughter is grown up. She's yeah. living in Seattle. <laughs> yep. um, but she, I mean, that den of vice and iniquity that Seattle <laughs> is portrayed as Christy. <laughs> um, but I feel like he has he doesn't have a mission anymore. You know, he and doesn't he doesn't have, have anything anchoring him. There. Yes, he doesn't yes. need to stay in Chicago anymore. So he wants to start over and and sees this very I mean what's what's more like what's the opposite of Chicago right like a (laughs) middle of nowhere broken down cabin in Ireland yeah yeah he I think one of the themes of the book which goes along with the western ideals is the the theme of of um a personal moral compass Mm -hmm. and the reason that he quit being a cop was because he felt like he couldn't match his moral compass to the job anymore. And Mm -hmm. it gotten to the point where he didn't know what was the right thing to do anymore. When he talks about that particular incident, he's like, I, I, maybe the kid had a gun. Maybe he was, was it the wrong thing? Yes, it was the wrong thing, but was it the wrong? I don't know. And so he doesn't trust himself anymore to make the right decision has to get, I thought it was really interesting um, Tana French said that she was very cognizant about like wading into like American policing waters during this time in our our existence, our history, and but she was like, "How can you pretend that it's not there and not address it?" Mm-hmm. So I think she does a really she has a light touch with the theme of black lives matter but the way cal explains it you know to a child is that the black people were getting really upset about being killed all the time and the good cops were getting upset at being lumped in with the bad cops and the bad cops were getting upset at being called out on their shit for the first time and everybody was just angry yeah all the time and he didn't know how to be a good person in that environment so he ran Essentially, rather than wrestle with the moral complexities, he just peaced out and that, said, I'll go somewhere where I don't have to deal. So is he a good cop? <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't cops? say no, there are none. And that's what right. my point is. Like right. he ran. He could have stayed and right. tried to make change in. But he didn't. He ran. So, no, there's no good cops. One of the things that Tana French said in this interview, which I have already referred to too many times, was that the dawning understanding that he had was this was a problem that he couldn't fix because he's definitely a fixer. Yeah. He is that annoying species of mostly man. Yes. Sorry, Bobby, not to tar and feather men. He felt familiar. Yeah. Deeply deeply and personally familiar (laughs) to me. I, but I was thinking, yeah. you know, men who, like, you, as a woman, you come home and you, like, you just want to tell somebody about your shitty day and your husband is like, well, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you try this? And you're like, I don't want you to solve this for me. I just right. want you to say, gee, that sucks. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I was thinking about this, and I think it's really unfair to men because they've been raised to fix to. Well, I was going to say to not be able to be emotionally expressive. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they don't. You know, that's seen as not a good character trait to be emotionally present and supportive. I and mean, you're supposed to go out and do something. And so that's what Cal is suffering from. Mm-hmm. He gets to the point where he realizes this problem of policing is so big, he can't fix it. He just can't. From the inside, there's no way. And so he needs for his own, you know sanity i guess to get out of it so i think he tries to be a good cop but i think he gets to the point where he doesn't even know what that means anymore i thought the thing that was the most indicative besides the policing aspect of it the thing that was most indicative of him being kind of i don't know lost is when his daughter is assaulted and his wife is like she doesn't want you to go solve this she wants you to comfort her like i need you she she wanted you to be there not just like go out and be like a vigilante. She wants you to be here. And he's like, no, she doesn't. That's not what she wants. And it's like, no, he's like, you can do that. You, my wife and her friends are so much better able to do that. The thing that I can do to contribute is to get this dude. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was, that was kind of, you know, his relationship with her was, is, you know, he's learning how to be more of a caretaker as, as opposed to like a solver of, of everything. An emotional caretaker. Um, but yeah, the, I, I, I thought, because it is, I, and I think you're so right. It's like, I, I don't need to, I don't want to, Not he's not cold in the way that he doesn't show love, but it, he doesn't know how to show love in a in an emotional way, necessarily. Right. His love language is fixing. Yes. Yes. He, he doesn't get the rest of that. Well, so. and I don't think that's an invalid thing. Like he, mm-hmm. his feeling was like, look, I'm going to get this guy off the street. So my daughter doesn't have to be worried about him anymore. And oh, I thought totally. that was a nice mm-hmm. instinct. Yes. No. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's just as more, uh, indicative of his personality. Right. Of how he, yeah. How he can contribute to the problem or fixing the problem. Um, all right. So what does Cal's outsider status mean in Hard knuckle <laughs> Did I do it? I, so. I thought you had a good uh, insight on that. Um, well, I, I, I thought the most interesting part of it was, you know, that he is an outsider. They have this very insular world, like we were all talking about. They're kind of outside of the major cities or anything. So this village is, is uh, just a, a few people that all know each other. But I it made me laugh because he would use, he's originally from North Carolina. And when he was trying to question people about um, this missing kid, he would put on kind of a good old boy accent. Yes. Oh, shucks. I, Ms. Jones. Yep. I don't know how My it works in these pockets. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess it probably worked because it disarms people a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, so you're just sort of, an easygoing dupe. And I actually, when I worked retail, if I noticed that somebody had any sort of accent and I was in California, but when I noticed anybody had sort of any accent, I would lay a mine on, like say y'all a thousand times <laughs> and really like put it on thick. And you people, keep it in check the rest of the time. So effectively. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, but I find that it, that kind of stuff does 
warm people to you because they think that you're not a threat anymore. And I, I really noticed him doing it with, I can't remember her name, but the shopkeep girl. Oh, Noreen. Noreen, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And and then the younger one, is that? Um, oh, Caroline. Yes, Caroline, where he did it with Caroline. And I think that it made her feel comfortable, you know, explaining things to him. And that's that's how he would sort of get information. It's kind of the the Jessica... Um, What's Jessica's last name? Um, uh, from Murder, She Wrote. Fletcher. Fletcher. Like, just kind of like, I'm an old lady, or I'm just kind of a gentle soul. I think that's the way he could get into this town, by kind of portraying himself as, you know, he's just a good guy. He does. He's, like, seeking information, but it's not threatening in any way. I thought that that was interesting. I kind of... S- sorry. He does mention that he's a big guy. Yes. He's, like, yes. six four or, or something yes so it's a technique that he's had to develop because he's sort of innately uh, a threatening presence yes he's really imposing otherwise um but he comes off as as not so gruff he just wants to get some information but i but i do think you know it's uh, like i felt like he did when you're you sort of start in media res a little bit like he's in this town you don't really know why and that's actually i think a good way to start as the reader because you're, you're just as lost as he seemingly is like trying to figure out how everybody is related. Who's a good guy. Who's a bad guy who, you know, is troubled and who's just sort of normal. I, I thought that that was, it was kind of a good discovery because you're going in as blind as he is. It seemed like another, like an added um, challenge. Like it, he's already got this mystery that he needs to solve to figure out what happened to this kid, but he has to do it while trying to work with these people who see him as an outsider and he needs to figure out how to like gain their trust and get them to stop lying to him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe some information that he's not being given. Maybe. You know, this. Yeah. I, the one thing that I was struck um, with you, Hillary, is that I saw his accent stuff, as you put it, like that was sort of a helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, aspect of being an outsider and I hadn't even thought of it like that because what my mind went through is like Meredith was saying like how much more difficult it made you know his objective uh, because he didn't understand all the weird undercurrents and relationships and he they have a um, a story about that early early on where his neighbor Mart can't get the cookies he likes from the local store because Noreen's family and his brother had some sort of beef 25 <laughs> years so ago ridiculous. and so now she won't stock the cookies for him so it's it's like Kel doesn't know all that stuff so he's essentially going in blind not knowing like who's safe to talk to who's feeding him a line of bs um who's the person that actually knows anything versus the person who's just a big talker who thinks that there's aliens coming down yes. and mutilating his <laughs> sheep. Well, and the person that is really, you know, his navigator throughout this is kind of the person at the end of the day who's probably leading him in the wrong way is is Mark. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he's the one that he kind of trusts to, to um translate everything that's going on and how everybody's related but actually he's kind of you know doing double duty on that yeah mart has his own agenda as far as like how in the dark he wants cal to be yes on all of this 
Well, all right. So let's get into sort of when the meat of the plot starts off. Why does Cal agree to help Trey? Trey is this 13-year-old kid who comes and essentially badgers him into Stalks looking him. for <laughs> Trey's yeah, he brother. Like, looks through his windows for a while and creeps him out. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which is not and, a great way to go about it, I don't think. You know, f- somehow found out that Cal was a cop, as the whole village knows that Cal is a cop, mm-hmm. even though he has told nobody, because that's just how <laughs> small villages are, and is determined that this is the person to help find this Brendan, this missing brother and Cal's not interested but in the end he agrees to help and okay I let's just do the twist now yes so that I can stop dancing around <laughs> so maybe like halfway through the book Trey is an alien Trey is, <laughs> is an <sheep>. alien <laughs> Mart tells Cal that Trey is a girl and this whole time uh, Cal has spent days with this 13 year old as he thought boy and now finds out that it's a girl and it absolutely throws him for a loop yep and on one one hand like it doesn't matter at all i think you mentioned this last week meredith that it doesn't matter to the plot in any way Mm -mm. but it totally changes things for cal Mm -hmm. as far as it goes so why does he agree to help train in the first place and then how does it change for him once he realizes that she's a girl and not a boy well i don't really know why i mean i think it was i don't know why he agrees to help i don't know if it's just like in his blood to i think it's the fixer thing yeah like to solve to solve this something that it's so funny to me because everybody seems so like yeah this family is trash like of course the kid just like went up and left nbd like who cares and i was i just that that was the part that i was like well it's such a small town you would think that people would really care that this one person went missing if there's you know if there's a thousand people in this town or whatever large percentage of the population is gone all of a sudden (laughs) exactly so i mean i thought that the way that everybody including the mother seemingly were kind of callous about it um maybe that just kind of kept intriguing him to like, no, really what happened to this kid? Yeah. But I agree. And I think it was like the gender. Yeah. This gender uh, twist is, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of perplexed by it. Like, I'm not sure what other than, I don't know, maybe a less charitable read is that it allows him to kind of like, he has a daughter, so he knows how to deal with a teenage girl and it allows him to take care of her. A little bit more because she definitely needs a lot more taken care of once this is revealed. But just because like she gets her ass kicked and he is able to to help her. Right. Um, and, you know, he but he's been feeding her and he's been like, you know, counseling her a little bit and and doing all this other stuff. So I, the whole time um, just thinking that she's a boy and it also gives him pause, though, at first. Right. Like he's like, oh, no, I got to stay away from this kid. Right. I, I cannot be alone with a 13-year-old mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for, he has some similar uh, concerns in the beginning. Like, he doesn't want to get the the reputation of being the guy who has 13-year-old boys right. come to hang out with him because yeah, gay marriage is legal in Ireland by that point. But, you know, it's a pretty Catholic country. <laughs> but I did um, think that then, he was like, it, he took him on as like a mentee. Like, he was like, this is, you know, I didn't have a son. I'm going to teach him this boy mm. to who doesn't have a father yes to right. you know fix 
shelves and shoot a gun shoot and skin and, you know, do all that kind of stuff that I, I, I'd want to do. As somebody who had a patchwork of father figures growing up, I can appreciate that type of relationship. And uh, then the sudden realization that this is a mulligan for maybe not actually being as good of a father as he thought he was. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it, it, that's what, you know, he suddenly mm-hmm. has this this do-over as he's realizing that his that his parenting not being prioritized the way other people thought it should be led to the end of his marriage and his fleeing. So I still thought it was a, a weak twist. It was no Shyamalan, but like <laughs> the, the, I, I wrote in my notes for this, the deuteragonist was a woman, yeah. like, you know, yeah, young woman, but, um, but it just doesn't matter that like, it doesn't matter to her character as a character Mm-mm. to her personality. Right. It's it sort of, uh, if anything, it shows that you can be, uh, a bit androgynist, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter to her wants and needs in this particular moment. It is. Right. Yeah. It is an asexual thing. The dumb um, reason why I, I didn't know what the twist was going to be at first. I did think it was going to be Shyamalan-esque because I was like, nobody's talking about Trey otherwise. Like when he goes mm-hmm. out in the world, yeah. nobody's talking about Trey. So I was like, is Trey a ghost? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, um, but then, but the one thing I kept thinking is the only people I know named Trey boys named Trey are the thirds like that. Yeah. Their name is something else. Yep. And they're called Trey because of the third. And I thought, well, he has an older brother. Why is he Trey? You know, that didn't really mm-hmm. make sense. And then mm-hmm. because I'm an astute, <laughs> I'm an astute real housewives of uh, New, New Jersey watcher. Well, somebody they, has to do it. Um, they call Teresa Giudice Trey sometimes. Oh. And so I was like, mm. Oh, like I, this, I was not early on. This was like, three seconds before you know the reveal I was like mm-hmm. I bet that Trey is a girl and I was like I knew it I'm right <laughs> <laughs> I thought that their relationship was pretty sweet though I mean it wasn't yes. perfect but like he was so hesitant to even like talk to Trey or help Trey especially but um I think there was like a pivotal moment early on when Cal's at the store and he ends up buying milk and he buys it only because of Trey he doesn't drink milk yeah and so I thought that was kind of sweet well, and then their relationship. The long arm of the milk council. <laughs> milk does not do your body good. <laughs> um, but I did like that, you know, after the initial kind of like you have to go when he realizes that he, when he's told that Trey is a girl and he's like, you have to go. No offense, but you have to go. And then at some point, I think, you know, he has a self, you know, he realizes it doesn't matter and treats her kind of equally as he would maybe as a boy. Maybe a little softer, but it, it seems like. He's he kind of gets his head around it a little bit as it goes on. Yeah, we got a nice note from Jack who had some thoughts and some questions for us, uh, and and the main part of this uh, deals with the gender reveal. Um, no fireworks in this general g- gender reveal. We set no brush on fire. Good for us. Um, yeah. I know. He says, hey, y'all, I'm sure when you talk about the plot twist reveal in The Searcher, you're talking about Cal changing his mind and liking those marshmallow cookies <laughs> tea. Yep. That's exactly right. Actually, the twist of Trace Gender did not add anything for me. When that was revealed, I just thought, I thought he was a detective. He didn't figure this out. <laughs> That's a good point. In 2021, I do my best to not use gender as a descriptor. Descriptor with so many coworkers, family members, and friends questioning their gender identities, I steer clear. It's just not that big of a deal to me. 
Anne, after rereading The Searcher, did Tana French give us any clues early in the book to the true gender of Trey? True in quotation marks. She did not. Wow. Because this, I mean, Cal's our first person protagonist. Yep. And so all we know is what he knows. Mm-hmm. And he is taking it on such a strong assumption that Trey is a boy, that there's never anything that points to anything else. You know, it's the the buzz cut and the indifferent hygiene and the hoodies and jeans and sneakers. Well, and she's and interested the, in like traditionally male things, right? right? Like she wants to learn how to shoot a gun and she's meticulous about like working with her hands and she's doing woodworking and stuff and refinishing a dresser or a desk, um, which are things that you usually think of men doing yep and and she herself is you know pretty indifferent to these sort of male female signifiers like she's got i don't have time for this shit i'm Mm -hmm. not interested and it doesn't help me find my brother then no i don't care and when he challenges her about it she's like well i never said i was a boy yeah (laughs) that was your that was your assumption bud (laughs) and who knows maybe she sort of let him think that Mm -hmm. oh i'm sure i'm sure she wanted to I don't think she was malicious or anything, but I think that she probably realized it helped her if he assumed that, you Mm -hmm. know, he would keep her on. Right. But I do think the twist is important, not to the plot, as we've said, it doesn't impact Trey's character, it doesn't impact the story, but it goes back to what Tana French's um, emphasis on on is... um, sort of uh, the interior life of this person and this detective and how that changes things for him. And yeah, it does start to um, become not a surrogate for his daughter, but you know, I think, did you say Meredith, a do over? I think Bobby said that, but yeah, yeah. Bobby said a do over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, it starts him thinking about, you know, or, or it helps him to start unraveling where he went wrong. Because he, he seems to have a, a kind of distant relationship with his daughter at this point. He calls her, and the calls are always pretty brief and superficial. And she's always like, well, I'm busy with work. I got to go. You know, they don't have, like, they don't seem to have a really deep relationship. And, right. And he's clueless. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know what went wrong. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know why his wife wanted a divorce. Yeah. He, he just uh, did he's what like, he yeah. was trained to do. He's just following his code. Yeah. Yep. And then it all fell apart. And he's like, but I, I don't I don't understand. And I, I think it's the point, you know, at which he realizes that Dre's a little girl is, you know, when the outlines of things start to make sense for him. And he has that choice at the end of the book. Does he stay or does he go again? And he makes a choice, a different choice. This time he chooses to stay because he knows that's what she needs Mm -hmm. rather than what he particularly wants at this point. So um, do you think that Cal made the right choice about what to do once he solved the mystery? Once he knows what happened to Brendan and who was responsible, then he has to decide, is this something I get the police into or is this something I leave alone? And in his Mr. Fix-It life and when he was the police there's no question what the right move would be but he really struggles with that so do you feel like he did the right thing Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, in some ways, it, I it felt sort of unsatisfying, as I think she wanted it to be. Like it felt, you know, you it's want kind of anticlimactic. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but I also don't know how much you could change, especially as an outsider, and especially in this small town. I'm not sure. And I, I'm not sure how much you can change. And also, I think at the end of the day, the only thing the Mr. Fix-It that he can do is sort of protect Trey a little bit. And I think he realizes him, like, opening up some larger investigation is not going to prote- protect Trey. Yeah, he does what he needs to do to, to put her mind at ease. Yeah. Which is what he promised. Yeah. And And what good would come of, you know dragging this out in the light and getting the cops involved. Well, we have some old men who would <laughs> yeah. go go to jail, mm-hmm. get a slap on the wrist. He would absolutely tear the town apart mm-hmm. and everyone tear would hate him. <laughs> the Reddy family apart. He would destroy and... that child's life. Yep. Yes. He would never get any cookies that he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it wasn't like it was like a crazy murder out on a streak that was no, going right. to harm no. other people. Yeah. It's just as a crime circuit kind of, but and I think what he did was sort of take the, he took the fall, not for the crime, but just like for seeing, God, that was the only part that I, I'm like listening into the car, in the car. And I was like, I think I might throw up right now. Like when he's describing the body, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was pretty like sanitized. I was like, I, wow, this, they are not like freaking out about this at all. I don't know why. Just like the, the sort of melting into the, ground yeah, she part drew of it. such a good picture of it like yes. i could just see yes. it and smell it like yes no. like kind of decomposing a mm-hmm. little bit into the ground the softness yeah. of everything oh uh, yeah like uh, if you haven't read it they they go up into the mountain and find where he's been buried in like a bog yes in a bog. and yeah. they that, part, that was the most nerve-wracking part yeah. yes for me because you don't know what mart's true objective is yes and if he's gonna double cross cal and you know direct him to walk into essentially quicksand yeah that was a very like suspenseful part of the book maybe one of the few (laughs) suspenseful parts is like you you know by now that like mart is not what he exactly you know what he's presenting and they're going out into these mountains where cal doesn't know his way around but mart definitely does and he tells cal like cal picks up his phone and like takes a picture and and Mart's like tells him to put it away which is a little spooky because Cal's like well there's GPS at least if I'm killed and Mm -hmm. and Mart seems to be on top of that so I was a little like eek how's this gonna go but they just dig up a body and pull his watch (laughs) off for his sister a body (laughs) well and I thought that was interesting too because obviously like Mart is like not a good person but he also didn't double cross him and he's like no Mm -hmm. here's this is this is where he is and this is the situation like almost putting him like are you going to do anything about it or you know like trust me that I'm not going to hurt you at the end of this but this is like this had to be done or or whatever this is how it this is how it happened Mm -hmm. Yep. And he's like, are you sure you want to do this? Yes. Are you going to take responsibility for this kid keeping her mouth shut mm-hmm. for this not going any further? And I mean, that's when Cal really has to be either all in or out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because once he makes that promise, then there's no escaping. And I'm like, oh, there's one point where he's, he thinks to himself, like, it's a shame because he liked Mart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now everything changes and like how is he going to you know that's his his neighbor how how's he how's that relationship going to be from now he's just he has 
dived headfirst into this situation of moral ambiguity that was what he was trying to escape by coming here. Right. Yep, and it just followed him. And yeah, I yep. I thought it was funny when Mart was like, oh, I guess we're talking again. You know, we're having a sort of jolly good conversation. And it reminds me, obviously not as dark, but like when I've had a fight with Dave, but I like want to tell him a funny story or whatever. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm not in this place right now. Like I need to like move. And then I, when I'm ready to not be pissed about something, then I'm like, okay, like listen to this funny story that happened at work or whatever. <laughs> oh, you know something that I found out? Um, the nickname that Mart has for Cal is Sunny Jim. He always yeah. calls him Sunny Jim. And I was like, okay, well, that's a nickname. And then I was watching a YouTube video completely unrelated to this, hosted by an Irish guy, and he referred to someone as Sonny Jim. Huh. And I was like, wait a minute. You mean this is an actual thing that people say in Ireland? It's not just a specific nickname for this person? So where did I put that? Did I put that in my notes? No, I put that on my camera roll because I took a screenshot because it was so interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Sonny Jim is in British culture, Britain, Ireland, Australia, is a familiar or patronizing term of address for a male person, especially during a rebuke or correction. Oh. Hmm. So I thought that was really interesting because it was this clue all along that Cal and me, the dumb American, just thought that, you know, Mart was calling him this little, oh, Sonny Jim, yeah. when Mart was insulting him, he was saying, essentially, the whole time. That sounds like kind of being like, okay, buddy, or hey, buddy, yeah. or hey, yeah. Cal. Yeah. Like, you're not really saying you're my buddy. <laughs> like, oh, okay, sure, uh-huh, sure. Sonny Jim, at it again, yeah. you know. It's just this further emphasis of Cal's sort of... Uh, outsider, uncluded status Mm -hmm. that I thought was, that I never would have known if I hadn't heard it randomly somewhere else. Some John Mulaney video. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I get all my Irish etymology lessons from John Mulaney. (laughs) Uh, So we really talked about this a bit um, before now, but by the end, how how has Cal changed or changing? I guess because this is sort of the start of something for him, in in that he's he's gotten his sort of do over. Not that Trey is his kid, but well, at that at the by the end, it almost is seemingly, you know, he's not going to adopt her, but like it does seem like you know he it's he a, is the father figure in her life. It's a backwoods adoption. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I thought the. Um, conversation he has with his daughter towards the end about sticking around um, because, you know, she had dealt with children who were dealing with trauma. So she said the last thing that she needs is for you to leave. And like, I think in another situation he might've left because it was like, this is too hard. I can't deal with this. Um, I'm not a cop anymore. (laughs) Yes. I need to get out of here. And Mm -hmm. he just, he recognized that like, he does need to stick around and, and help her. And, and that maybe isn't changing him, but it's like, uh, this is me and I need to like help this girl through the situation and be there for her and be the stability in her life. Cause be obviously a stable her, adult. Yeah. yeah. Like her mom is right. Like, isn't that person. I actually, I, um, I marked a passage in the book, a very short passage in the book about um, where I think that he really clearly articulates sort of what's going on with him. Uh, where he and Mart are are talking about, you know, whether he's going to guarantee that Trey won't say anything about what happened. 
And uh, Cal says, Brendan Reddy isn't my problem. And even though he understands that in many ways it's the truth, the words don't come out easily. It frightens him that he can't tell whether he's doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I'm not going to do anything about him. I wish I'd never heard of him. I'm just trying to get a kid some peace of mind so she can put this down and move on. And it's his embracing of that fear mm-hmm. yeah. is the real change in his life that he decides to adopt the puppy. <laughs> that was the other the part <laughs> that I was like, just take the damn dog. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they pronounce the woman's name in the audiobook? Oh, um, shoot. Lena. What is her is name? Lena or is it Lena? I, th- I thought it was Lena. I, I think it's Lena. Lena. Yeah. Lena. Yeah. Do you, th- okay. do you think he gets with her? Boy, the romantic in me really wants that I know. To me I'm like, too. can we please tell me how this is going to end? Yes. Because she so, seems take a kind of awesome. Time, but she's yeah. pretty icy about yeah. it. <laughs> well, she very much understands this is not my problem. Right. Yeah. And this is not your. She keeps telling him that this is not your problem. And, or she says, are you going to go and do some stupid stuff? And he's like, yeah. yeah. And she's like, come back <laughs> when you're done doing stupid stuff. I just think she's she's pretty cool. Yeah. And she yeah. is mm-hmm. sort of um, remote or kind of she has a lot of distance. But there's something there. He likes her. He does. I mean, they're both pissed about the fact that they like each other mm-hmm. because yep. the people are pushing so hard to get them together. Well, in her whole life, she's resisted doing that. She's resisted joining anything. She's resisted getting married. You know, she's like, I'm not interested in it. Like, I'm not I'm not a joiner. I'm not interested in it. But it's like, but God damn it, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the one thing that I was really sort of left wanting in the end. I was like, I just want to see if they have I know. <laughs> I know. At the end, when I was done, I was reflecting back, you know, thinking about how the story ended. And I'm like, wait, that was left. Maybe she was waiting for him to get a real bed. Yes. I'm not just an I air mean, mattress. I would be. Like, I know. Yeah. Not the air mattress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That you was stacked two of like, those things and you got something that's going. Exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. You, you stack the two or three cobweb covered air mattresses on top of each other. That's great. Ugh. Oh god. I did write down one of the things that made me laugh out loud is when they were talking about I think it was when he was in the pub with the guys and somebody brought up the word yeet. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a big hamster. <laughs> yes. That was the one time when he got to like turn the tables on them a little bit mm-hmm. where he was the one who knew something and well, pretended that he knew something and they were the ones that won't. Yes. Yeah, that was very enjoyable. Yeah. It was really interesting. There's the um, the recurring motif of the rooks outside his mm-hmm. house, or mm-hmm. I guess the crows. We, I don't know if a rook is technically a different bird from a crow. I had to Google it because I was like, I don't know what a rook is. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole thing about how he's kind of trying to make friends with them, that they, they live in the big tree at the back of his yard, and he's like leaving them rabbit entrails and garbage and whatever like scraps to try and kind of establish a relationship with them and that's a lot like those guys in the pub right yeah is they're also their own you know murder of crows (laughs) (laughs) sort of literally and he has to figure out how to get in with them and he has about as much success as he does getting (laughs) in with the rooks Mm -hmm. 
so him trying to assimilate to that place. Well, you know, I really like this book, but it would be unfair if I didn't allow people to bring up any criticisms. Um, Jack said, did the use of the internet and cell phones bother you at all? This was the only time I was taken out of the story. I know a lot of detective and mystery books and movies are set just before the internet for a reason. The use of the internet can solve things too quickly. Well, I don't think having the internet would have helped him. No. No. And actually, I kind of liked the way they, I think that they addressed it because they were like, oh, we get no service here. Like, I mean, that was the way they kind of got around it. Yes. One, the internet really wouldn't have helped because it's such an underground thing that I don't think there's some Reddit thread about, you know, (laughs) what's going on, (laughs) on in this town, but also... It seemingly is almost an unwired town as far as that goes. It was a little jarring to me. I think the first mention of like an iPod, I was like, oh, because you don't really know when it's set. And I was like, okay, so it's it's at least iPod times. And then he also talks about like having the internet on his phone. So it, it was a little unexpected to me, I guess. I had the, kind of the same feeling. Like he doesn't call very many people other than his, his daughter. daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He calls Lena, he calls Lena or texts her. The texting really, I mean, took me out of it a little bit more than the actual calling. <laughs> Calls his wife, ex-wife once. That does not go well. No, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, th- this is not a criticism. It's just more an evaluation of like how I, when I read books, sometimes I adopt um, the moral compass or I trust the moral compass of the main character a lot where I'm like, okay. This what they're saying is right or like you know a solid foundation and then when he and I understand this is just a part of his evolving is him like I don't understand people are more upset about names than they are about how they treat people oh yeah uh, I at that point I was kind of like shut up like am I supposed Fucking to like cop. buy into the, I know exactly where I was like whatever I mean like I get it, I get it but I, I think I, at this point in my life and in our culture I'm so sick of talking about that like just move on like who cares call people what I they wonder want if to it was part part of- I thought that was something that stayed with me the most of any passage of the book because I thought that was really interesting totally totally but it, it, it did make me think but then I was like it was it was almost like I I both agree but also it was like rolling my eyes it's like I was talking to my parents or something where I was like shut yeah, up it kind <laughs> of it kind of fits though right like yes. he is an yep. old cop he's been a cop for at least 25 years he's a white guy from Chicago like that fits to me. Totally. You know, that doesn't yeah, seem right, out yeah. of character at no, all. No, no, he's no. he's definitely more evolved than a lot of people, yes. but you know, he's still running. And I think it. and I think you know what he says makes a lot of sense there. You know, mm-hmm. we spent so much time, you know, talking about how we should refer to people who are in wheelchairs. When's the last time you actually did anything for a person in a wheelchair? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that words are important. And well, yeah, both those are things, things we should talk about. Yeah, are important. Yeah, is the problem. Yeah. Or he talks about the police sensitivity training, which was all about what words you can use rather than you know how you're treating Perceiving people. That people. sucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I it was so different than I thought it was going to be. It was like almost more like a tone poem, not really, but yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do, I do think like I've like reflected back on it after reading it more than I do, you know, some Hillary's horny corner where it's like, it's like candy and then I'm done. But it was something that I, I, I thought about more than I thought I was going to. And I thought that was really interesting. It was, it's a definitely a different kind of book than I normally read. Um, but it, it's weird because everybody's like, Oh, it's different. It's, it's not this like fast paced mystery, but I never found it boring at all Mm-mm. at all. Like I really, I mean, I, 
a lot of it, sometimes I get frustrated when I don't understand the time and place where I'm supposed to be. You know, I don't understand the society that's going on around me, but I actually thought she did such a good job of making you cow at that point. You know, Mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out who these people are and how they fit into the everyday situation. I guess I did feel like there was kind of a stretch in the middle where not much happened. And I was sort of like, okay, something, something can change. Like we can get some sort of breakthrough somewhere. Right. Like there was a long while where nothing really was revealed and nothing really changed. But I guess that was my only criticism really. Oh, and then he beat up an Irish punk. Yes. And we were, we were on the way. (laughs) And there we go. Um, That was a fun scene. Yes, it was. Very satisfying. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I guess the last thing we have to do is give it our Tishi rating. Uh, We can't um, rate it on, what was it? Pumpkin butter. (laughs) Maybe marshmallow cookies. Sweet uh, sweet potato. Sweet sweet potato. Sweet potato. Cupcakes. That was Hollywood homicide. But I was like, okay, what would, what would our rating system be? Like mutilated sheep? How many mutilated sheep? Marshmallow Marshmallow cookies. Marshmallow cookies. Okay. Okay. How many, uh, not just one marshmallow cookie, how many packages of marshmallow cookies Mm -hmm. would you give Mm -hmm. this? That's interesting because I had stuffed sheep as mine, but I'll I'll go with marshmallow cookies. (laughs) Oh, no, stuffed sheep is cute. We shouldn't make it another food item. How many yeats? Yeah, God. No, no stuffed sheep is stuffed sheep is better. But the stuffed yeah. sheep is named Yeet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeet the stuffed sheep. <laughs> that needs to be our official mascot now. Yep. <laughs> I think four out of five. Yeet the sheep. Okay. Yep. I I would agree. I was gonna say four out of five. <laughs> Yeet the sheep. I'm writing yeet the sheep so I never <laughs> forget that. Do you think there. you're gonna forget that? <laughs> I I enjoy this a lot. I give it I give I give it five yeet the sheeps. Oh. Five out of five? Yep. I was actually I, gonna give it four and a half yeet sheeps, so I, that's your mutilated one is your half a yeet sheep. <laughs> there are half sheep in this book, yeah. Yeah. I'll do 3.5 only because there was no text speak. They had cell phones. They could have <laughs> thrown an OMG or WGN, but they yeah. did not. That is and a mark so... of good literature. <laughs> no, I and I thank you. This I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And it really did yeah. get I got me out of my um I don't know, comfort zone candy. Of, yes. That's yeah. the yeah. nice thing about book clubs. Right? I know it is. Yeah. It stuff is. you wouldn't necessarily read. Yeah. yeah. If I if I if this wasn't book club and I just read the synopsis, I would have noped out as soon as former detective. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, yeah. I, and um, I was surprised. And yeah, so thank you. Uh, sure. Speaking of noping out, I got to go get some soul food and yep. trombones. So I will talk nope. to you all later. Bye. 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 Periods. 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 Now he's gone. Inspiration. <laughs> <God. laughs> We do have to have a question of the week this week. And the question of the week is, if you were going to scrap your life and start again, where would you go, Christy? Oh, gosh. Uh, And money doesn't matter. So I have so many questions. Money doesn't Um, matter. This is hypothetical. Just do what you want to do. Yeah, money doesn't matter. So somewhere where where it's warm all the time and um, there's water, any kind of water. Okay. All right. I like Hillary. it. Um, Greece, for sure. Not Athens, one of the islands. Maybe mm-hmm. Mykonos. Though I think Mykonos is like... 
mostly gay men, which is fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mykonos or Santorini or something. I like. I think Antony from Queer Eye goes to Mykonos. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. Greek food is like my ideal. Like mm, I love totally. it. Mediterranean food is is like right up there for me. So yeah, Mykonos or whatever. The what are the winters like? So long. Hmm? Nice. What are the winters like there? I think. I mean, I was there in. October and it was warm and lovely. So, so I might be there with you. Yeah, no, come on, <laughs> let's go. But I'm not going to build no dre- any dressers or no, 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 no. We're laying out at the anything. beach. Absolutely yes. not. Yeah, no, we're island hopping. Uh, Meredith, where would you go? I think I would scrap your life. Probably take a different approach. I was thinking maybe like a Norwegian country, somewhere oh. where it's kind of mild and it's beautiful, mm. and they have socialized healthcare. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like Norway or Sweden or Denmark Copenhagen, or something. Yeah. 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 No guns, healthcare. Yeah. See, nice. I could ask a million questions and then get the perfect place. Mm-hmm. We'll circle but back if it's just yeah. The only problem is in Scandinavia that water is too cold. I'm okay with right. that. You'd have to do a, a, a sauna. I just want to look at it and be inside. <laughs> oh, and be warm. you don't want to be in it. Nah. All right. Well, um, I I think I have to agree with Hillary. It's got to be Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have long had that on my list of places to go, and I think I talked before about I'm I'm really. Um, torn because i don't love the idea of cruises because i don't yeah. really love being herded around and like disgorged onto tourist sites like well, the fat american tourists they're traveling germ f- factories on well, the water yes, th- there is <laughs> they before, been, but now before the pandemic <laughs> but i sort of think that you know if this was a, a sparkling clean cruise ship i wouldn't mind doing like a 10-day cruise around the hot spots yes. of Greece, yeah. mm-hmm. not the Mykonos hot spots, but like the Parthenon and the Oracle of Delphi and stuff. And then going out to the island yeah. and being with the blue, blue water and like the white. Yes. It's not Adobe. Yes. Whatever it is. The rooftops. Greece, the white walls yeah. and the blue rooftops. Yeah. I would yeah. recommend and- Cyprus. I mean, it is hot there, but it's beautiful. And um, if you're an American, you can go to the Turkish side. Yes. It's kind of a screwed oh. up situation, but that's kind of cool. Very nice. And I want to like go for walks on the hillside mm-hmm. and go to the market and get baklava. And mm-hmm. I could live on tzatziki too. Oh, so oh my good. God. And the tomatoes are so good. The only thing I don't like about Greece, the only thing I didn't like was that, um, what is it called? They're like liquor of choice. Uzo. 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 Oh, yeah. Nasty. Barf. It's all licorice based and I did not like it. I mean, I drank it, plenty of it, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, I hate this Greece. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> Oh, sure. And, and I get the sense that Greek men are a little more forward. Yes. They're maybe not Italian. Men, <laughs> That's what I didn't but... like about Italy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the men are very free with expressing their appreciation for women and what they would like to do with them. I'm not <laughs> so into that. But I am very large, as we've established. So You could crush them. Men, they are a small yeah, people. <laughs> yes. They tend to be a little bit wary of me anyway. So maybe I would go that. But, you know, maybe we'll do half the year in Greece and half in Scandinavia. I like it. Yeah. As long as we're, you know, living, maybe dreaming Maybe summers. Big. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wait, su- wait, su- summers up north, winters yep, right. in Greece. Exactly. I'm just yeah, becoming exactly. like increasingly like bored with hot weather. I really don't like it <laughs> anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to say, I've, we have lots of beaches here and it's 
it was super fun when I was a kid, but now I'm like, okay, I'm here. It's hot. Everything is sandy. Like I've had enough. I don't, I want to look at this. I don't need to be in it. Yeah. That's the same. Any kind of water. I just like to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> what do I mean? I mean, I'm sure the beaches in Michigan are lovely, Meredith, but it, I don't think it's quite the same as the Adriatic. No, but the ocean is full of monsters and dead bodies. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying I want and to go in it. It's water that's trying to kill you in yeah, all different always. ways. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going in water where there's fish. Are you kidding me? Well, <laughs> those things would eat me in a pool, I guess. Yep. Well, okay. In this fantasy, we're in a fabulous Greek house that you can see the beach from that's on the beach, mm-hmm. but has a big pool. Okay. Yes. Maybe an infinity yes. I'm in. pool. Oh, I'm yes. in. When there I was in the Dominican Republic, the place that we stayed had a pool right on the beach. And I was like, this is weird, but also I like it. I oh, love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. I love Sitting it. Sitting in a pool with Looking. no fish yes. and regulated temperature yes. that isn't trying to kill me and, and then you see awesome water. Like, optional shade. Oh my nice. gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a dream. I'm a pool gal. Well, yeah, too. while looking at water. That sounds ideal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll post this in the Facebook group, and I'm sure we'll get lots of good ideas. I mean, we're going to need to marry Jeff Bezos, yes. one of us mm-hmm. is, anyway, oh. to get this. Gross. I mean, well, it's that or Elon just Musk. Just for like take a, your choice. a year? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I don't have to have sex with him, I agree to marry <laughs> Bezos. Well, how, You're gonna have just, to look at does that it have up. to be Bezos or any of the a billionaires? Because Bill well, Gates is up for grabs now. Could Warren we Buffett marry his ex wife? Married, but yes, he is. Bill yeah. Gates um, loves Diet Coke. Like, and that could be <laughs> a true. match yeah. made in heaven. And he just like goes out and gets sex everywhere. Apparently, and you could <laughs> he could fix your computer real good. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking Warren Buffett is a good option because I could Anna Nicole Smith. Yes, I was going to say. He's going to die soon. He's going to die any minute. Aside from being so rich, he seems like a decent human being. But I think he's been married to the same woman for like 100 years and lives in a tiny little bungalow. Well, that's unfortunate, but we can probably deal with that. I was going to say, we can take care of that. Isn't that the one where his wife set him up with another person? I don't know. Do you know that story? Uh, I don't know. No. That doesn't know. I, I, I thought he moved. Been... He moved somewhere and the wife stayed and then she got the neighbor woman to come over and like cook for him. Maybe I'm mixing up billionaires. I have to look no. it up. Well, you know, I, I have a hard time remembering the difference between Warren Buffett and Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't marry the wrong one there. Hands <laughs> on struggle. Hey, we would get good weed yes, if I was yes, married to Jimmy Buffett. Yes. Both, pretty but then you'd wealthy. have to wear a dumb parrot hat. Like <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to uh, some ideas from you guys on where we can go to start a new fabulous life. <laughs> Let's move on to Tishi recommends Meredith. What Let's are you recommending? Do it. Um, I have been watching High on the Hog on Netflix, um, and this is a food show I don't want to say it's a cooking show because it's not it's like a food history show and it's about um african-american cooking and how it has impacted american culture and it is fascinating it's so well done it's so well researched and it's well shot and the host is amazing like the first the first episode will if if that doesn't pull you in then then don't watch it because the first episode they go to africa and they walk the the road where they had the slaves walk down to get to the ships and there's like a monument there and he goes with this food historian um 
and she kind of talks him through it and she's also kind of a mother figure it's just very like i'm getting goosebumps talking about it because it was so sweet it was a wonderful episode and then every other one after that has been great so far um and they go through uh Right now, the ones I'm watching, they're in the American South, um, like in, in South Carolina, in Charleston, which was another slave port. And yep. they talk about that. There's a lot of interesting history, um, like the lengths that George Washington went through to keep his enslaved chef mm. were really extreme. And and the dishes that Ugh. he made were things that like we you wouldn't think of necessarily as being african-american food but it's just become american food and it's because of their influence um as enslaved people it's just it's just so well done and so fascinating so highly recommend meredith who hosts it uh i don't know his name off the top of my head sorry i had i have heard of it and i i thought i heard him interviewed for some reason i can't remember what the context oh, yeah was. netflix has been recommending it to me probably because i yeah watched it looks somebody so good feed phil yeah. like 19 times yeah <laughs> Uh, his name is Steven Satterfield. Yeah, I don't know why. Wait, I must have yeah, just heard somebody recommend it. But yeah, no, the, I, I I am intrigued. And the woman I don't who know is... if I can watch it though, because I don't have free soul food like Bobby does. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah you're gonna get jealous. No. It does make me hungry to watch. Um, I should admit, yeah, the host is Steven Satterfield, and the the food historian is this woman, uh, Dr. Jessica B. Harris, and they're both just wonderful. Cool. Um, my recommendation is Starstruck on my beloved HBO Max. So good. <laughs> it's so good. It is, um, I think six episodes. They're quick. Like they are 22 minutes. You know, I'm sad that it was so I short. I know. It was really, really, this is the one time that I'm like, but I want more episodes. Um, it is, um, starring and I think created by Rose. I think it's Matafeo. Um, she's from New Zealand and she's a comedian from New Zealand and she's fucking hilarious. And it's a rom-com about her, uh, having a relationship with a burgeoning movie star. Um, and the guy is hot as hell. Nikesh Patel is his name. And he is really, 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 and really And her hot. life is Ooh. kind of a mess. Like, yeah. yeah. She's she like has a 20- like multiple jobs and, yeah trying to hack it in London a little bit and it just kind yeah. of it's very um well it's like reverse Notting Hill sort of except she's mm-hmm. younger and you know it's it's more current it's like almost like a cross between Notting Hill and like Bridget Jones diary sort of like she's yes. kind of a mess and, and that is that is a Hillary sweet spot if there ever was one mm-hmm. um but she's hilarious like I actually lol'd watching it and I don't you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, something was really funny. And I'm probably watching it just not, you know, just like, mm, that was funny. But this mm-hmm. one, I actually laughed out loud at some of the things that she said. And I, yeah. I, it's just, it flies by, you know, if it's, if it's three hours in total, that's it. I watched it all in one night. So it, Me too. it is, it was very <laughs> enjoyable. And I, Hillary was like, I'm watching this. Or was it you or Missy? Yeah, and I was, was like, me. I started it and finished it that, <laughs> that I know. day. Yeah. yeah. So it's really enjoyable and just kind of a light light deal i mean there's some serious parts but mostly pretty light so highly recommend um and mine we just started watching as a family is sweet tooth on netflix it's a um it's taken from a comic book and it's a post-apocalyptic huh? post-apocalyptic take two um, <laughs> <laughs> um show that is it starts with um there's a virus going on. It kind Ooh. of is a little mm. triggering <laughs> there. And this What's was written like? in 2009. <laughs> so it's really interesting to see the things that like actually came that actually happened. But it, um, 
there's a virus spreading and people are just like randomly dying very quickly. And at the same time, children are being born and they're called hybrids. They're half animal, half human. And, and so people think, did, did these children bring the virus or did the virus create the children? Then no one knows. And so they divide off into like, um, people try to hunt them because they're angry and they, um, hunt the, hunt the hybrid kids. And there, it starts with a, Will Forte um, has a little baby that's half deer and they go off into the woods to just like isolate themselves and they're there for 10 years and then all of a sudden the world comes to them. Oh, whoa. I was, I thought it was going to be like a cupcake competition <laughs> show. Or, uh, a little heavier. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know this, but I guess deer like sweet things. Oh, Did we know mm-hmm. that is a thing? Hmm. I don't know. Or maybe it's I just thought they liked salt licks and that was it. That's what I thought too, but guess not. Hmm. Well, hmm. and before he left uh, to go eat free delicious food, uh, <laughs> Bobby wanted to recommend Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I re- always <laughs> on the copy." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 2011. Right I rewatched it the other night when I couldn't sleep, and it's still great. So that's our that's it our teacher. It is a good. I, I yeah. enjoy it, and Brad Pitt is very handsome in that movie. Yeah, I. The only thing that kind of holds it up for me is Jonah Hill, and yes. I don't have anything against him. It's just like his energy is not for me. Yeah. Well, this was and definitely so in the like usually watch him. Jonah Hill is trying to win an Oscar um, mm-hmm. set of movies that came out for a yep. little bit, and yeah, whatever. But it, I, 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 yeah. I like it. It's I think it's a it's a fun movie. He's fine. It's just that he's not for me. Yes. You know, in whatever iteration he comes in. <laughs> and again, I think he's talented. It's just not. And that's for me. All right. Yeah. Get involved with the show. This show has everything.com is our website. You can submit commentary, questions, whatever at throwyourphone.com. Just like the great commentary we had from Mackenzie and from Jack this week yeah. and from other people who email us. Uh, wait, I haven't got to the email yet. Our Facebook group is uh, always got something going on. Uh, the show Twitter is at Tishi Show, updated with regularity. Or you can email us longer things at Tishi at 10710.com. And if you have intimate pictures that you promised to send us, we will take them. Fax those to Bobby, please. Indeed. Send us a voice memo. We love to hear your voices. Just record a voice memo on your phone and attach it to the email. Or fax those pictures to Bobby at 617-354-8513. We've come to the end of book club episode number two. I had a really good time. And Mm -hmm. um, we got some nice comments from people who said that they enjoyed reading the book. And I'm very glad. And we haven't found, decided on a new book for the book club anyway. Um... But the only thing we know is that will not make us better people. So thank you for joining us. And that was everything about The Searcher by Tana French. When your day is long And the night And the night is yours alone When you think you've had enough Of this life Well, hang on Don't
something is wrong Sing along when your day is not hold on. Hold on if you feel like letting go. Hold on if you're sure you've had too much of this life. Hang on.
Oh, time to wake up. Hello. Yep. <laughs> Hello. I wonder why I said that. 